0: All right, friends, how many of you like two-for-one specials? Have you been Christmas shopping yet? Are you? Let us know in the comments. Are you done? Are you not started Christmas shopping? Are you in the middle of it? Or have you, have you just come to the place after the past couple of years where you're like, I can't do it anymore? Like, let us know how you're doing. Uh, today, I want to give you a two-for-one Christmas special. We're going to cover a lot of ground today. And take a look at the, the shepherds and also the Magi, but through the eyes and the perspective of Mary and Joseph and and tie it all together uh, with this concept of hospitality and welcoming people into our lives. So uh, before we get into our text, um, people know at this point in the story that the baby's special, that there's this long-awaited anointed king that's going to come and save Israel from their oppressors and uh, very soon other people find out about this so mary and joseph they get a visit from angels and, and these shepherds and magi come and visit it and his word spreads throughout bethlehem the people have to come and see uh, maybe they don't buy into the story and and this baby jesus is is just a curiosity but for those who do believe we see in the text that they they embrace uh, this and, and fall down and worship Jesus um, if we're following Jesus those 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 of us who have embraced the way of Jesus we need to learn how to embrace others and the new testament picks up on this concept and multiple writers Peter and Paul and the author of Hebrews call this this concept hospitality and What's interesting to me, and what I'm getting excited about, is the way of hospitality is is called for us to be. It's like our supposed to be our normal all year round. But what a great cultural time where we have this mechanism of the holiday season and all the good feelings and the Hallmark Christmas specials. Oh, did I say that out loud? That's a guilty pleasure of mine. Um, but we can practice hospitality all year round. And if you're if you're wondering, just just. I feel you. If you already have some anxiety about maybe at the end of the sermon that I'm gonna ask you to invite a bunch of strange people into your house, just take a deep breath, let it out. It's okay. Uh, this is about our heart. and I promise you, I will not pressure you or arm twist you to uh, to run around the house and cleaning up, uh, clean up because a bunch of weird people are gonna come over. It's not purely about that. This is about welcoming extended family into our lives. Um, uh, I was talking with my five-year-old son Levi the other day about who my real brother is and he was really concerned about this because I I don't have a biological brother per se but I use this application on my phone called Marco Polo and it's like a a video walkie-talkie and you send a video to someone and the beauty is whenever they open the app, it's there. You don't have to arrange a time. There's no pressure. I'm so sorry, I missed your message. There's, there's no pressure with Marco Polo. And I talk to, on a weekly basis, my high school buddies, Mike and Richie, and my college buddy, Andreas. And Levi knows these guys, and he calls them Uncle Mike and Uncle Richie. So he'll, he'll, he'll send a Marco Polo to Uncle Mike and Richie because they're superhero experts. And he'll ask about Spider-Man, the Incredible Hulk, and they put together PowerPoints and they go in-depth talking about all the superhero stuff, which I'm really grateful for. And Levi loves his Uncle Mike and Uncle Richie. And Andreas, he lives in Sweden. We met in college. Uncle Andreas knows all about football. Not the pointy kind of football, the round kind of football. And we all like the same team. And Levi and Andreas and I, we talk about Aston Villa. It's a team that plays in England. And Uncle Andreas teaches Levi about uh, all about the sport of soccer. And the other day I was sending a Marco Polo to someone that I hadn't talked to in a while. About a year, we were just catching up. And I, I hit send and Levi goes, oh, who's that? And I said, oh, it's my buddy Shane. I love him like a brother. And Levi gets really serious and says, wait, he's not your real brother. And I said, well, right, son. Uh, of course, he's not my real brother. I don't have a biological brother, but I love this guy like a brother. And I'm getting this kind of fatherly condescending tone and starting to explain that when we follow Jesus, the, our, our relationships with people and friendships and commitment to Jesus rival that of family, like a, our family is about relationship too and uh, and Levi kind of brushes that aside and he's like, yeah, I know about that stuff basically. Uh, but uh, Shane is not your real brother like Uncle Mike, Uncle Richie and Uncle Andreas. Like you talk to them all the time and then the dots connected to me. He wasn't talking purely about biology. He, he had already welcomed these three guys into his heart and his family. They were his uncles and uh, i thought okay we're we're on the right track so uh that's the concept we're going to be talking about today and in this time of christmas where we've talked our our week if you if you've missed the first two teachings in the series uh they're on youtube they're on podcasts anywhere that you can get those and uh, the first week we talked about grace being embedded into the christmas story and we even use this posture of it's ambiguous whether you're you're giving or receiving and that's how grace is we we receive from God and our cup overflows and out of the overflow of joy and and healing in our life then we're able to offer grace to others and week two we use this posture of of togetherness and when we come to the scriptures to understand God uh, historically Christians have done that together And it's great that we all have access, whether it's on our phones, and it's it's easier to access a paper Bible for ourselves. Like from the beginning, historically, for thousands of years, Christians have understood that we get to know the Jesus of Scripture in community. and, And we come together to discern what God is saying and how we can live this life. It's not meant to be done alone. And so today, surprise, surprise, I've got another gesture for us to try out. And it's this, extended, extended hands. So uh, with that being said, just so you know, we are going to cover a lot of material and I'm aware of that. But turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Uh, we'll start with the shepherds and we'll start in verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, the, the first word that pass, that really jumps off the page to me is living. They lived out in the fields with sheep. You know, I've lived in Oklahoma and Texas where you have ranches, and there's there's someone with a house and there's a fence or uh, a gigantic area. But these shepherds actually lived with their sheep. There may have been a rich person that owned the flock, but these shepherds had a, a lifestyle of always protecting the sheep, caring for the sheep, making sure they're they're fed, uh, they're cleaned if they have you know. Stuff in their fur like it was a dirty demanding challenging life and we see from from history it, the contemporary authors especially in the first century especially the religious conservative authors of that day look down on these guys because if you're always out in the fields with animals it was difficult to keep the the, the Jewish laws the laws of Torah the first five books of the Bible. If you're always out there, you can't follow the dietary restrictions. You can't take a day off and leave the sheep once a week to go keep Shabbat. Uh, you're always with them. and It was ironic that, that, that the religious establishment looked down upon the shepherds because in many cases, these shepherds were keeping sheep that would later be used in the temple for sacrifice. These shepherds were doing a profession that is revered in the Jewish scriptures. King David was a shepherd, but these folks looked down on these shepherds that were dirty, a little bit uncouth, didn't, they, in their perspective, they made the choice to leave the rules of religion and go and, and choose a profession where they can't even keep the laws of God. And we continue, in these fields uh, in verse uh, verse nine, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were sore afraid. I know it doesn't say that, but I, I'm reading the NIV. But I just break out into King James version when it's Christmas time. I can't help it, so I digress. But the angel said to them, "Do not be afraid." I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And I've grown up, this is my 44th Christmas. I'm 43 years old and I've never paused on the phrase born to you. Think about that for a second. He's not just born among you. Like, this birth is phrased in gift language. Going to these people, these outcasts, the ones everyone's looking down their noses at, saying, rejoice, the glory of the Lord is here, and today in the town of David, the long-awaited one is born to you. And I think the angel would say the same thing for us. He's not just around us, but this is deeply personal and God-coming because he cares about all of us as a whole, but all of us as individuals at the same time. Jesus is born to you shepherds, the angel is saying. He continues, this will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Wrapped in clothes. Think about the contrast here. There's this miraculous moment. I don't know exactly what the glory of the Lord is from films and TVs. It seems to be kind of a a moving light. (laughs) That's probably the closest we can get, but the glory of the Lord is there. They're hearing and angels speak to them. And then what does the angel say? Okay, when when the lights go off, what you're going to do is you're going to look for something incredibly normal. There 's a saying I love that that the supernatural is found in the supernatural. That's how God works so often that we, we make this divide as humans, especially in in this day and age between the normal and the supernatural. but I don't think God sees it that way. it's all mixed up. everything is spiritual. you can find the supernatural in the supernatural or incredibly natural it's, you know after the angels leave they're they're having to go and, and and look for a baby in this small town where it was probably easy to find people would have known that oh yeah yeah yeah, we, we heard a baby being born last night check over there um and and not not you shall find the baby with a an angelic shaft of light coming down on the baby's face and and the angels didn't say you will look for this light the shaft of light and and the baby will appear as if in a renaissance painting doing something with his fingers like no he was born among them born uh, born to them and and they were going to find him in a feeding trough and it's so easy for us to say, oh, I wish I was born in this place, or I wish I was born rich, or I wish I was born without a crazy family. No one controls where they're born. Imagine the humility it takes. I know God is working everything for good, and God is is moving all of human history somewhere, but the humility it took to come as a baby to be born into those circumstances Tells us that God can do anything. And God is there in the midst of the dust and the sweat and the blood and the grime and the struggle. Right where you are too, when we face those things. So, an incredibly su- supernatural, mundane scene that these shepherds come upon. So, uh, in verse 13, suddenly. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love, I love that let's go attitude. Because even though I'm pretty easygoing, uh, if I'm, I'm j- just putting myself in the shepherd's perspective, we've got all these sheep. Our livelihoods dependent on the, on on our care for the sheep. There could be a lot of questions like, you've had this angelic visitation, probably a big priority. <laughs> Go and do this, but the the to-do list can kick in. Quickly. Okay, we got to go see this baby, but what about the sheep? Will they be okay? Will be will there be another angel to take care of the sheep? What do we do? But at least one person in the group said, "Guys, we got to go check this out. We need to prioritize going and t- to find the savior, going to worship him. And it's not about what's right here in this moment. That'll take care of itself. Our priority is to go and and obey." And, and go find Jesus. So this is, it's not a lesson in being spontaneous. It's not that. This is a lesson in priorities. And sometimes they don't make sense, but when we, when we sense God is leading us in a direction in, in our day and age, it's about following Jesus no matter what it looks like. Um, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning about what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. They were amazed. Doesn't say that everyone in the town believed. It's likely this town would have been instantly divided. What? You saw what? Yeah, but you're a shepherd. Why would an angel come to you? Oh, the the long-awaited Messiah and Savior has come, I got to go see it for myself. Like They were amazed. And just imagine the ruckus of these folks who weren't always welcome into the places of commerce and they were unclean religiously and literally unclean. And now it's probably late at night. The Savior is born. The Messiah is here. We just saw an angel. People waking up. Uh, grumpy Uh, they they were amazed i think is a nice way to say it but mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart i love that verse so much it seemed like uh, until all of my kids were about six or seven they only had two switches um, talking and unconscious (laughs) so i love this verse and say okay sweetie i think maybe it's time for you to ponder some things in your heart but it's that's such a beautiful picture of, of Mary being amazed at, at all of these things. So in Luke chapter 2 verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. The shepherds were the first evangelists spreading the good news of Jesus' arrival. Talked about causing probably a raucous. Sometimes the good news disrupts things, disrupts people's normal everyday uh, way of life, and sometimes it comes from the most unexpected place. If you feel like you're on the outside, that you're you're not in the in crowd, maybe you are God's secret weapon that God wants to use to bring uh, good news and usher in God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Don't discount yourself and say, God can't use me because I'm too, whatever it is, education or age or stage or whatever. God can use you and wants to use you right where you are. So that's the shepherds. So who who, before we go to the magi, so we've talked about who they were in their context, but who would they be in our context, in, in our situation? And I think for our discussion today, I think it's helpful for us to think of shepherds as our neighbors who are most likely good people, but they don't fit into the religious system. Uh, maybe, maybe they grew up in church, and for whatever reason, they hit the eject button. Uh, maybe they're good moral people, but they, they took a college class and found out about some, some of the many flaws in the church, and they may have a, a legitimate critique, um, but for whatever reason, they either didn't sign up to follow Jesus, or, or maybe they love Jesus, but they just don't want anything to do with organized religion. There's lots of reasons, but these are folks who are not into the church thing. And I think as we welcome these people into, into, uh, into our lives, into conversation, to show them grace, um, I think that, that something happens within us and that, that we're changed. And we can show them, especially for those of us that have chosen to stay in the church and are committed to seeing this thing look more and more like the teachings of Jesus and the way of Jesus. It's a challenge for us. Who are the others in our life? And before we get to the Magi, I'll just say right up front, I think they represent someone who is other, but in a different way. The Magi were spiritual spiritually and and nationally and probably ethnically completely different even though mary and joseph may not have thought in those terms but uh that i mentioned but they were these magi were completely different from them their way of life uh, and and the way they saw the world would have been completely foreign to mary and joseph no shared experience no shared point of reference uh, but yet, they were still welcomed into the lives of Mary and Joseph. So let's turn over to Matthew chapter 2, and, uh, and we'll start there. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. So these folks were looking at the stars. These are ancient astrologers or astronomers. Back in those days, it was all wrapped up together into one package and their life was revolved around looking at the stars, trying to divine God's will, trying to divine events, and they would give advice to kings or important people. And it, it jumps out at the page at me that in the Old Covenant of the Bible in the Old Testament. It talks about astronomy and astrology as as an offense, like something that would get you stoned. There was no place for that in the the covenant with Israel. But it shows us that, that God says, okay, yeah, I know that, but that's where these people are, and I'm going to speak to them through their language. Think of that, they saw the star and somehow, God communicates to them in their language right where they are at. And then as we as you read through the scriptures, they find King Herod and tell them about the star that they saw and and they wanted to find this this very special baby and I love the ark and the story. In verses 4 and 5, immediately Herod tells all of his scribes in the presence of these magi to go and search the scriptures for this prophecy. So God meets these magi where they're at and he's pulling them into scriptural guidance to lead them to Jesus. And they figure out the prophecies and and they they wanna go towards Jesus. And Jesus, by the way, in verses seven and eight, um, is very in a very vulnerable position Uh, predicament here because Herod tells these magi oh when you find the baby uh, please let me know where he is so I can go worship him yeah that's a big big stinking lie Uh, but the star uh, again kicks back in and leads these guys to Jesus and we we find ourselves in uh, chapter 2 verse 11 on coming to the house they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back, they headed to their country by another route. So there's that movement. God met them where they're at. They were guided to scriptures, and scripture leads them to Jesus. So uh, we've already covered a lot of territory, but I want us to to think about a few of these insights and. for the past few weeks we've been talking about people hearing from God and obeying God and I've been asking myself how do we discern the will of God and especially you hear about Mary and Joseph um, having either a dream where an angel speaks to them or Mary sees an angel angel says don't be afraid this is going to happen Mary says yes the shepherds have a miraculous encounter with angels telling them what to do and they do Um, and we could think like well i'm trying to discern my life and i don't get a a, 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 i haven't ever ever had one of these miraculous experiences but just think about all the thousands of people in in their day and age in the first century that never got in uh, a miraculous experience they may have loved god too and the the millions of people in the past two thousand years who've had to make the best God-loving decision that they could make with the information that was available to them. Uh, So uh, don't always wait for a sign. God has a really good way of letting us know if we're off track. And if we're holding our plans and our decisions loosely in one step at a time, one day at a time, saying, God, here's my plan. I know you're going to mess with it, but (laughs) is it this way? Oh, okay, it's this way. God will take care of you. Don't think of of God's will as a tightrope. And God coming back 10 years from now going, oh, you know that move to Peoria 10 years ago? You missed it. You're done. What if God's will is a mighty rushing river? And so many of our our daily choices are God going, all right, which one are you going to choose? I'm going to be with you either way. And every now and then there is a, a fork in the road. God is is not going to torture you. He loves you. And let's look at how the fact that God's speaking to Mary and Joseph, speaking to the shepherds and to the magi, and they all got to Bethlehem at the same time. And they came in three different ways. The shepherds had angels. The magi, they had stars. And then they had the scriptures. And Mary and Joseph, when, when it comes to actually physically going to Bethlehem, Yes, the angels came and said, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Uh, don't be afraid to have this baby. But the reason they were physically in Bethlehem is there was a census. Mary and Joseph were living life and doing the best they could and submitting to their authorities and submitting to community. And God all got all of those groups of people together at the same time. So God can use you. If you haven't had a divine sign, say, God, you can use me right where I'm at. Don't just wait for that, 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 the clouds to, to spell it out for you. God can use you no matter where you are. And I promised you that this wouldn't end in a, a strong arm-twisting appeal to have 25 people that you don't know in your house. But what, what about our hearts and our minds when it comes to welcoming the stranger? thinking about the eyes of Mary and Joseph, the the people who were outside the religious system and then people that were completely off the grid. They welcomed them into their life and they had this moment with Jesus. The New Testament, like I've mentioned before, embraces this concept in a lot of different places. And there are times in our life when we're out doing our day-to-day life that, that we meet people that are so different than us. And if we can learn to stop and and show them dignity and respect and, and at least welcome them into your heart, like we wind up more often than not meeting with Jesus and learning something from them or experiencing something about Jesus. Jesus used this word connected to hospitality. He used this word receiving people, the vulnerable, the outcast into our life. The, the other New Testament writers, Peter and Paul, and, and, the, and especially the writer of Hebrews, used this uh, wonderful word for hospitality. In the original language, it's uh, philo Xenos. Phylos, phylas, is like a brotherly or sisterly kindness or love that's really close to the family type of friendship. But then the xenos word, that's where we get xenophobia, the stranger welcoming these people and to make family the people who are not. And it doesn't mean you have to have them over in your house all the time. I love the the church in in France is not dead, by the way. I have some friends who are church planters in France and everyone over there, especially in Paris, uh, lives in a small place. So imagine having small groups when everyone in your church has a studio apartment pretty much. So they find ways around this. They go to coffee shops. They're creative with it. Um, They don't, it doesn't, hospitality doesn't just mean having people in your house all the time so how do we do this i want to give us some some uh some concrete examples and and an encouragement for us to use christmas as an excuse to practice hospitality with some training wheels and just to to initiate hospitality so first of all this is not, like I've mentioned before, I hope I'm being really clear, it's not just about having people over at your house. Some of you are wired for that, and if that's your thing, go for it. We love you, we love coming over to your house, unless we're introverts, and, and we don't, and, and we'll love you from afar, and that's fine. But so many of us get caught up between this, uh, these two words, hospitality versus entertainment. Biblical hospitality is much different than entertainment, an entertaining guest. Hospitality says, oh yeah, come over to my house. I'll throw an extra can of water in the soup and maybe something else, it's fine. Or we're in our pajamas, uh, come on over. It's not about impressing somebody. It's, uh, it's, it's about sharing life with them. Entertainment is about making sure everything's pristine and people come over. And their attention is drawn to, oh, your house is so clean. Oh, your food, how did you baste this? And some of you are wired like that, and you actually have a gift to do this, and that is wonderful. But for those of us on the other end of the spectrum, and we feel guilt and shame that we can't entertain like sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so at the church, guilt and shame have no place in in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are other ways that we can uh, show hospitality. If you entertain well, go for it. And if you don't, don't worry about it. You can share your stuff is one other ways. One of the ways, I know some of you in Pennsylvania join us on a weekly basis. You've probably got some sort of snowblower or something. What if your neighbor needs a snowblower. Uh, maybe I, I have some friends that found out their neighbors were walking to the grocery store and, and either hustling the cart all the way back to their house or, or having a huge backpack for their groceries. And these people said, hey, if you just need to go get groceries, use our car. Um, and they, they knew each other. I know some of you are already going to insurance and liability and stuff. I'm just trying to, to prime the pump for ideas for you. Uh, lawn equipment or tools that you have or, or expertise. Like maybe, you know, tax season is coming up. Maybe you know how to do taxes and there's someone in your life you could help. Uh, do that. Or, or just listening and spending time with somebody. Um, those are all ways that we can practice hospitality this year. So I wanna nudge you a little bit to, to think about, and let's have a, a time of prayer and reflection here for a moment to, that maybe there's someone even in the posture of your heart, you, you, you try to get away from them, maybe you work with them, or maybe it's a family member that, that it, it, it's nothing sinful, it's nothing like super dysfunctional, but they just rub you the wrong way. Maybe you just slow down, and, and and give them a listen and spend some time with them this Christmas season. So uh, let's, I'm gonna have us go, um, if you go wherever you're at, go like halfway Pentecostal and put your arms out, because up here, that's like full on charismatic. And I, I'm cool with that, but I know some of you might not. So, but just as like, uh, hold your hands out like you're gonna hug someone. And if you're not a hugger, just do this, like you're gonna shake their hand. And if you don't wanna do that, this is always good too. But I encourage you to do this as we pray to use our bodies to remind our, our hearts and our minds what what God is asking of us. So would you please join me in this prayer? God, we hold our hands out uh, as a way of asking us or as a way of asking you to help us examine our hearts. God, reveal to us ways that we can practice hospitality with what you have given us. Heavenly Father, we invite your Holy Spirit to be our teacher our encourager, and our inspirer this week. We want to be a people who you use to help those who feel disconnected. God, as we reach out to you, if we feel disconnected in this moment, will you please tangibly, tangibly help us know and feel your presence in our hearts and and in our minds. Help us to show brotherly and sisterly love to the stranger. And help us sense your joy, a renewed sense of joy for everyone in the sound of my voice, a renewed sense of joy for our commitment to following you and loving others. In Jesus' mighty and strong and powerful name we pray, amen. Well, thank you for joining us this week. I hope you're having a merry Christmas, and if you're not, we see you We love you and we want to journey with you. Please do not hesitate to reach out to us. Uh, Call us at the office or reach out to us at sgbic.com. That's where all of our contact information is. And and we want you to feel uh, that we are together this Christmas season and that you are loved and God loves you so much. So until we're together again, May you have a Merry Christmas and may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. The Lord be gracious to you and turn his face towards you and give you his peace in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.